0: hello and welcome back to the Diaries of a Lady Gardener podcast hosted by me, the Lady Gardener. Get ready to hear from your favorite Instagram gardeners, allotmenteers, flower farmers and plant gurus on this season of the podcast. We'll be hearing people's stories of how they discovered the joy of gardening, learning about their growing spaces, and of course hearing about their biggest achievements and fabulous garden fails because we all have them. I hope you love listening to us chat about the things we've done in the name of plants just as much as we enjoy recording. And if you do, it would really mean the world to me if you could leave us a review because it really helps to get the word out to more planty people and share these amazing stories. This season is sponsored by Akai Outdoor Wear, which if you follow me on Instagram, you'll know that barely a day goes by that I'm not dressed head to toe in their clothing, which is really made to last. I live in their thermal outdoor skinny trousers during the winter, which are bramble proof, waterproof and wipeable, perfect for days at the farm or the allotment. I've certainly put them through their paces and have been so impressed with the comfortable fit and durability of each and every item. And I have quite the collection now. So if you're keen to add some acai pieces to your wardrobe, they've kindly offered podcast listeners an exclusive discount. So head over to the website and use code DOALG20 for 20% off your orders over £50. This offer ends on the 31st of May 2023. In this episode, I got the pleasure of chatting with Harriet Mullins of Sweet Peas and Sunflowers all about her journey into growing flowers. Harriet's beautiful farm was one of the first that I visited just 20 minutes down the road for me and I have loved watching her journey and getting to know her over the past few months. I'm always so grateful for a little message here and there about spare pots, meetups and seedlings that I might be able to make use of. She's both the regional and national coordinator for flowers from the farm and through the platform has offered me and I'm sure so many others So much support, advice and overall loveliness to motivate us in our journey. If you're a flower grower and not already a part of Flowers from the Farm, I'd highly recommend signing up because it's an amazing community where I've gleaned so many useful pieces of information and felt so inspired by other growers all across the UK making waves in the industry. Without further ado, here's the latest episode with the wonderful Harriet. Hi Harriet, welcome to the podcast. Hello. How are you today?
1: I'm alright, just dodging the rain showers today, it's a bit like, a bit miserable, it was lovely and sunny, I woke up this morning and oh, thought, that's good, and then went outside and started hailing and thunderstorms, so <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> We're in that proper part of where it's really that full spring where you might get one day of spring. And then the next day it throws you straight back into the depths of winter.
1: Yeah, I know. I I was like sunburnt last week and then back in my thermals today. So I don't (laughs) know what's going on.
0: You never know how to dress with this kind of weather, do you?
1: No, it's a nightmare. Anyway, (laughs) so could we start off by hearing
0: about your story on how you got into gardening in the first place? Um, for those of you who don't know, Harriet is an amazing local flower farmer who lives about 20 minutes down the road from me, and we'll talk a bit more about the business side of things in a minute. But to get started, I always just love to hear that real kind of grassroots where did you start?
1: Um, well, I think it probably started when I was little, although I didn't do like actual gardening, but my mum was a really like amazing garden and we lived in places in town and places in the countryside but we always had like a lovely garden even if it was really small. Um so I think when you spend a lot of time in that even if you're not actively doing the gardening like you come to appreciate it, don't you? And then when you've got your own space you're like, oh actually I would like a nice garden. I don't you know so I think it kind of encourages you from there. So I think that's probably where it started. Um but then as like a teenager and a like in my early twenties I wasn't really interested very much until I got my own garden and then I started growing some veg and just kind of went from there really.
0: And so now tell us where you've got to in the kind of like your business is amazing and I think that in the local area it's a really well-known entity so I'd love to hear the story of kind of how you got to being a flower farmer.
1: Yeah that was like so it, like I said I started with vegetables Um we're lucky with the garden we've got it already had quite a lot of flowers in it so it was really overgrown but once we started clearing back we found lots of flowers and stuff so then I was enjoying cutting things and bringing them in the house um so then I kind of thought oh I'll grow you know some sweet peas and a few things um and it just kind of got out of hand I've got I'm, I'm really bad at sowing like a small amount of seeds so I just sow <laughs> the, all the seeds in the seed packet which is often quite a lot of seeds <laughs> um so it kind of went from there and then so then I put in a few beds you know to grow like specifically for cut flowers um and then I found Georgie Newbury's book, actually, in the library, the um, Flower Farmer's Year book. So that kind of was the first time I would even thought that that could be a thing. Like I didn't have a, you know any idea before. Um, so that was kind of the germ of the idea, I think. And then I started just selling to friends and, and friends of friends. Um, but then the first proper step was when I started selling them down at John's Deli, which is near to me. So they've got two little shops, but they're really popular little shops um so that's kind of where it properly kick-started I mean the first year it was like a bit terrifying because <laughs> I didn't realize how many would sell which was great that they were selling but I was like oh my god I don't have enough so it was like frantically um so yeah that was a bit of a uh, learning curve but yeah just grew from there really and then I did some a little bit of training with kind of florists that I admire and stuff to do weddings I wanted to do weddings I didn't want to go in like all out without having a clue. So I did a bit of training first. I think just kind of grown. It's grown quite slowly. Um, but yeah, I've got, got here now. So it's it's going quite well now. So
0: And what was your job before you became a flower farmer? I find that the the stories of people who have had their career change flower farming is always amazing. It's always from something so completely different.
1: Yeah, so I'd always worked in childcare. So I did um like nannying and worked in preschools. Um my, my job before I sort of gave up to do this was I was working in a forest school preschool. Um so it's still like really outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was lovely. Um it's a really lovely, it was a lovely job. But um yeah, I kind of I I always enjoyed it and I was quite good at it, but I never really wanted to progress or get, you know, the idea of being a manager of anywhere I just thought looked really stressful and like, I there. I was just happy <laughs> to keep ticking along. Like I never really was ambitious, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just fell into it because it was like there's always been loads of children in my family. So I've got very good at like looking after babies and stuff because I've got loads of sisters and loads of nieces and nephews. So I kind of fell into it and I did love it, but I wouldn't have said it it was like a passion, really. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, it was just when I started growing that I realised this is actually something that I, I want to do. And every year I, you know, you do get to the winter and you do get a bit knackered. And you're like, what am I doing? But I I still every spring I want to go again. I'm like raring to go and the excitement and just wanting to I always want to grow more flowers and sell more flowers and get like that kind of passion and things, which I don't think I had for anything else before. So it's taken me a while to find it, but it's really good.
0: That's amazing to hear that you had a complete kind of change of mindset there, though. And do you think that being a flower farmer is genuinely less stressful than the thought of the stress of being a manager at a nursery
1: um yeah I don't know about that now the only thing I think that I would have hated with being like a manager is I really don't like people management like I'm Mm. such a people pleaser I just don't want to upset anybody so I think that's what really would have stressed me out Uh, and like dealing dealing with you know upset parents and things I would have hated anything like that so I think I guess that that element's gone a little bit because I don't really have staff um, I have all the people who help me out but they tend to just be friends who are helping me for the you know while I've got a wedding on or something yeah um, but yeah it can be really stressful especially mm-hmm. and you just I mean I think it's made me more relaxed because you just have to let it go sometimes because it's <laughs> like you know your whole crop's just been eaten by slugs or whatever and you're like oh okay you
0: do as it pleases
1: yeah you kind of just have to trust that you will have sunflowers at some point, <laughs> like they might not be exactly what you'd anticipate you're going to have, but you will have something. Keep so, trying yeah. to tell
0: myself at this point in the year where I feel, because I all my hardy annuals were killed off in the frost. Mm. Um and then the only thing that really survived was these black cornflowers and I was like mm, of all the things that have survived they were the kind of ones that I'd sown as like I just happened to have a packet of them and they were never going to go with anything else I was growing So it's all pastel colours yeah and I'm like oh god what is this year going to bring in terms of like whether whether the plants are going to work like for me it's my first year growing on that new space I have no idea what's going to happen so it is quite um It never gets dull or boring because you don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. (laughs) No,
1: and you can plan. Like, I'm quite a planner, so, like, on a Sunday I'll sit down and be like, this is what I'm going to do on these days. But then, like today, I was going to be down the field weeding this particular bed, but it's been torrential rain, so you have to sometimes just go, okay, let's just swap that around a bit. You know, you can't (laughs) be too in control of everything, which I think is, in some ways, Is quite good because I, yeah, I do like to have everything planned out, but sometimes I just have to go right. Just that's not happening today, (laughs) we're just gonna, you know, things go, things change quite often.
0: It definitely teaches you a good skill in life that you don't necessarily learn anywhere else. I think the patience of gardening is a whole new level of patience,
1: (laughs) yeah. Well, sometimes you'll have sown a seed and you're waiting, you know, if you sow something in the autumn, you might be waiting like eight months for it to flower, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, that's yeah that's quite extreme levels of patience isn't it
0: <laughs> definitely and you see those seedlings every day so sometimes you feel like they've not grown because yeah. you're like well it's probably only grown like half a millimeter in this day but because I can't see it growing I feel like they're very very slow growers
1: yeah definitely especially the autumn crops because I think they sit there for quite a long time not really doing anything when the temperatures drop so then you're like this is never gonna you know there's always a time in the year I just think I'm just never gonna have any flowers like it's not yeah <laughs> But then, although I still feel a bit like that, it's been a bit too slow this year for my liking. Like, I've got, I've had my ranunculus and my anemones, but the anemones are kind of coming to the end now, I think. Mm -hmm. Um, The ranunculus are still doing quite well, but I feel like they're getting a bit tired, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, when they start to, like, not pump out quite as many. Um, And then everything else is still just sat there with buds on. And I swear okay. I've been saying for weeks, oh, it's only going to be a couple of weeks. It's only going to be a couple of weeks, like not doing anything. Um, I think we just need a bit more sun, like all my cornflowers mm. and, yeah, the orlea is just starting. But it's just, yes, yeah, it feels much slower than usual this year.
0: Definitely. Um, interesting to hear about your ranunculus as well, because mine are only just getting started. And ours are both in polytunnels, aren't they? But they yeah. must be in a few different microclimates.
1: I guess so. I planted them quite early. I can't remember when I soaked the corms, but they were, like, in the tunnel by October.
0: Oh, okay. Mine didn't go in the ground until the spring.
1: Yeah, so I think that makes a difference. But it's just, yeah. And then they did take a little while to get going. But then I had, you know, I've had like a month of them really producing really well. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I. I think if I just kind of like give them a good feed, I'm hoping I'll get another good flush out of them.
0: Fingers crossed, because they are they are just the most beautiful flower, like show stoppers of the spring
1: yeah definitely I mean I put some in a bouquet just this morning I was making and I thought that could easily be a rose like Mm. the way it was just unfurling like I thought someone could look at that and easily think it was a rose um you know which for this time of year when you're not going to have roses that I think they're like I don't know if I even like them more than roses I think they're really beautiful like just the color ranges and everything
0: definitely I I definitely think I like them more than roses even though they're way harder to grow
1: yeah i've got like the clementine one as well this year which i haven't grown before which is the bright orange normally i don't i normally go for just the pastels but i'm actually loving this bright orange one as well it's nice
0: to have something a bit different you know and it
1: goes so nicely with the pinks that actually i'm like oh yeah i'm definitely gonna keep that one
0: yeah and nice to add a bit of like spring vibrance i'm terrible for going all pastels and then a Mm. few people like you're gonna have to inject some color in somewhere so i've gone like a few oranges just to add a bit of extra vibrance where yeah
1: I feel like orange might is a good one because it. it goes nicely with the pastels as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like it's a good one to have. Red is just I can't I can't do red. I don't like oh, it. No. I just don't like it in anything. So I never I barely ever have any red. Um but that's seems
0: very color. traditional.
1: Yeah I, I guess so. Yeah I just I don't mind like a burgundy kind of that kind of thing in the autumn but proper like football shirt red is just not my thing
0: no me neither on the same page with you there yeah so can you tell us a bit about your growing space like describe the kind of size space you're growing on the kind of structures you have to make your growing extra
1: special yeah so um we've got a field the whole field is actually about four and a half acres but I'm not anywhere near on, on that much I think the whole like fenced off area is about half an acre but I'm not using the full space yet I've got like my compost bins and stuff down one end um, and then I've got two poly tunnels. So one is what I call the small tunnel, but used to be the big tunnel until I got the bigger tunnel. <laughs> um, so that's 50 foot, but it's a, it's kind of a narrower one um, where my other one's like more of a commercial one. So it's 20 it's something foot wide and 60 something wow. long. Yeah. So it's got like the double doors. It's got so much more space. And it's got the straight sides, which have been like a revelation because my other one's got the curved sides and you just end up not being able to sell half the flowers because they've all grown like I mean I like a little bit of wiggle but you know when they're grown completely over it's like oh, not very but, um,
0: <laughs> I'd never so, thought yeah. about that before either my tunnel is a curved tunnel
1: yeah it depends what you're growing obviously like the renuncus and stuff is fine because they don't get that mm-hmm. tall um but things like sometimes you get snapdragons or something that will get really tall and then they're kind of completely bent over um so having the straight sides I found is like is really really good mm-hmm. um, yeah and then I've just got long long straight beds um everywhere I just find that's the easiest easiest way to kind of manage it I've got grass paths as well so they have to like be trimmed. so just keeping it straight lined as possible
0: and have you found the grass in the last couple of weeks has gone absolutely nuts
1: yeah it's I, I strimmed a couple of weeks ago and I like, oh, it looks so good it's so neat and tight and then like literally a week later I was like I've got to do it again it's just yeah it's gone mad but when you first cut it it like gets a bit of energy or something so it grows faster that time so I'm hoping it will like slow down a bit
0: that makes a lot of sense Mm. I've obviously not cut mine over the whole winter and I know that it grows slower in the winter but I mowed the whole thing and it took me like half a day to mow the entire patch and then two weeks later I was there and I was like it looks like last summer as if yeah, yeah yeah it's (laughs) insane.
1: yeah so it is a bit frustrating um but I do really like how it looks like with the grass when it's mowed and it doesn't really need tidy um but it is quite a bit of extra work to keep on top of it
0: yeah it's such a beautiful location though I've been to visit a few times now and it's always such a treat because that the location is so it feels so peaceful and kind of Mm -hmm. like secluded and just like your own little bubble of flowery goodness
1: yeah, definitely. We are really lucky. It's, it's lovely. And we're because we're in kind of a dip, we get quite a good, we tend to be fairly sheltered from wind and stuff, which is really helpful as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like we're in the middle of nowhere, but actually, it's like 15 minutes and you're in like, biggish towns. So I feel like we've got the best of everything, really. <laughs>
0: definitely and so what are the things that you think are probably the most valuable things that you've invested in over the years obviously as a startup flower farmer it can be quite overwhelming in terms of working out where to spend the small amount of money you have because all of us Mm. are setting up on such a shoestring do you have any kind of recommendations on the things that you would definitely if you were starting again from scratch they would be your day one or year one purchases
1: I think if you've got the money then perennials it's great. I, I I didn't buy any of them until about year three, I think. So they're still kind of, they're just starting now because I'm just going into like the fifth season, I think. Um, So they're coming into themselves a bit more now. Like the GMs are really good. Um, Some of the other ones, but some of them I grew from seed, but some of them I bought in. Um, And then... Because I, yeah, you had to. Buy, I had to buy them quite small because of the, you know, the smaller they are, the cheaper they are. But obviously, then you've got more years. So buy the the, the best ones you can, I think. Um, and then the poly tunnel was. It's been my first big investment, the big poly tunnel. The other ones I got sort of secondhand on eBay and things. Um, but that has been amazing. There's the difference to buying a, a new one and buying a secondhand one.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. I can't even envision how people put secondhand ones together without it all bagged up with, like, very specific labels and instructions.
1: Yeah. it was pretty stressful. <laughs> don't you? I mean, the one even with the instructions, they're fairly stressful to put up, aren't they? But, very. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think I joined Flowers from the Farm really early, which I think is a good investment. It's not very much money, really, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and I don't think I'd be quite where I was if I hadn't joined them so early, because I think just the advice you can get and everything um I just yeah I think that's a really good investment to kind of invest and you're kind of investing in yourself a bit aren't you because you're learning and meeting other people and kind of getting inspired so
0: definitely and that's a perfect segue into the next section of the podcast because I think it's really important that we talk about flowers from the farm because um obviously we knew we kind of knew each other before and then I joined flowers the farm and you've been an amazing support and you're the regional and national coordinator now which is very exciting
1: mm-hmm
0: um but for me it was a, like a i didn't think that i could join because i hadn't started selling my flowers yet and you kind of prompted me to join and i'm so glad i did because the the knowledge and the resources that you get from being a part of flowers from the farm is invaluable and like you say if you wait until a later stage before you can ask all of mm-hmm. those questions that you think are silly questions but actually there's so many people that have asked those and even down to things like my most recent example it was, I was really str- struggling to find anyone who would insure me. And yeah. I went through all the posts on the flowers from the farm page and found the insurers that everyone recommended. And they were amazing. I think their family are flower farmers.
1: Yeah, I'm with them as well.
0: <laughs> yeah, they are brilliant. I can't think of their exact name, else so I'd plug them. But um, they yeah. were just so easy to work with. And it, I'd spent days going around in circles being like, What do you mean? You won't insure me if I'm doing this and this? Like it's it's not like a black and white. It doesn't fit in a drop down because flower farms are actually common.
1: You can't just like go online and do do it through the website, can you? Because it's too complicated. There's too. You need to talk to an actual human, which is like which is why yeah, finding someone good. Um, Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think like I say, I joined really early, and I think some of the things like the meetups as well you know, that's really inspiring. It just gives you such, I think one of my first ones was I went to Organic Blooms in Bristol, Incredible. which is, yeah, amazing. Um So and that was the one where I was like, wow, this is totally what I want to do. Like, I mean, I'm never going to be on their scale, but <laughs> like, it just was so inspirational to see it. And you just, every time I go anywhere, I get a little, a new idea or a new plant I'd like to grow or just something, you know. And it's just nice to share with other people the challenges because I think you can get quite lonely when you're just by yourself.
0: Definitely, especially when you're in the field on your own for a lot Mm. of the day. What I found really refreshing about the meetup, so we went to the conference in, was it February?
1: Yeah, just beginning February.
0: And then we had our little local meetup at Marwood Hill Gardens recently. And the thing I found the most valuable from it, other than obviously being able to ask people questions and see people in real life and take the inspiration, was that you hear about the problems that you're also having that people don't necessarily post about. And yeah, it's that definitely. kind of some things that you're really struggling with. You just assume that no one else is struggling with. And it's actually quite reassuring to hear or even things just to say, like, oh, my season's really late with the tulips or the yeah. redunculus or the daffodils. Oh, same. And then you're like, oh, phew, at least it's not me that's done yeah, something wrong.
1: Definitely. Yeah, I think that's really because I think I mean, I'm just as bad, you know, on social media. I don't post the weedy bit. I post the really nice <laughs> bit that I've just planted up, you know so i think yeah it's just nice to go i'll oh, actually look they've got weeds as well
0: <laughs> definitely yeah. uh, and the conference was absolutely incredible amazing to have so many amazing people together in one space to kind of share their their two pence worth um and yeah. some of the talks were just incredible like joe from organic blooms her talk on soil science we could
1: have sat and listened to that all day it was just amazing so many people said that i think we could have just literally had her talking all day and everyone would have been happy
0: (laughs) 100 percent um but you were obviously instrumental in kind of getting that arranged how did you find the experience obviously it's it's a bit of a sidestep from flower farming but then you're you're getting to connect with so many amazing people
1: it was brilliant sorry i'm just plugging my my computer in before it does. That's okay. And I I literally had um, um zero experience of planning events. So I'm not like an events planner or anything. Um so I don't I was just so enthusiastic at the idea of it. Cause um so I I'm the regional coordinator with Pippa from Ethical Bloom. So they asked us I think if we wanted to do it oh, a good year before mm-hmm. and um God, it's like, yeah, you know it sounds amazing that like, we'd love we'd love to do it and then obviously the reality of it is it's a bit different um but it was it was really good and i did really enjoy it um there was a lot to it um and i think there was loads of support given from like behind the scenes at flowers and farm as well like the admin support and stuff which it, it literally wouldn't have happened if we <laughs> hadn't had that um and then there was a whole team of us um working on it so was just it was just really fun I really enjoyed it and I felt so proud of the day when you know everyone was really enjoying themselves and and everything so yeah it was really good and I think it was like I made real good group of friends from working with them on that as well so that's such a nice part of it as well.
0: Yeah absolutely and it was such a unique experience as well because there is no other opportunity where you would get those people coming together and the gist of what I got from all of the talks is that no one in the flower farming industry ever takes a holiday
1: yeah <laughs> you never take a day off yeah uh, I think I think there were some pointers to to actually take a day off weren't there like some, yes. of these, some things like just stop for a minute take a day off um yeah I think it was and it was nice because I think it felt like something really professional you know like this is a business like we can run really viable businesses Mm -hmm. I think you can kind of sometimes think, oh, actually, maybe I can't, you know, maybe this is too hard. Um, But when you see other people who are really inspirational, it just gives you that boost, I think.
0: Definitely. And flowers from the farm, I've certainly found is the more that you give, the more you get back.
1: It's definitely
0: definitely, uh, there are people who might not get as much out of it because they're not engaging and kind of utilising the resources available. But I think if you really take the time to kind of engage and take part, There is so much to be gained from that and real valuable friendships that are amazing for their friendship value, but also invaluable in so many other ways of just having someone to talk to who's in a similar industry. Because I think for a lot of us, we're the only people in our family or in our community that is doing something like this. Yeah. So although you can share your stories on things like running a business and the stress of running a business or being self-employed, there's some really specific things that you just cannot <laughs> yeah. share with other people and then go, Oh, yeah, I totally get that. When you're like, Oh, my compost heap has just gone terribly wrong. And then, yeah. like,
1: right. <laughs> and they don't. Or there's how so long, the is. Yeah, there's only so long you can talk about it for before people's kind of zone out.
0: <laughs> yeah, you see the eyes glazing over. Yeah, but
1: when, when you're with like gone. flower people, you can go on for ages and it's fine. Everyone's happy to talk about it for <laughs> <on. laughs> It's great. It really
0: is. It's really wonderful. Um, And so, again another question for you how do you find the kind of business side of running your business
1: I think that's probably for me been one of the hardest parts because I didn't come from like a business background I think if you come in it if you come at it from that perspective you're probably already on a like a good footing mm-hmm. um because I think you can learn how you can learn the growing and you can learn the floristry and obviously you can learn business as well but I think if you're coming to that straight away and you've already got that that's probably really helpful um but I think it just you've got to treat it like anything else. Like if you need to learn skills, you've just got to go out and even though you might think it's really, really boring, <laughs> which it often is, if it's not your interest, you're like, oh, it's so boring. But you've got to just get get into it, I think. So I mean, I know that the library runs some really good around here runs some really good like business courses. So I did a few of them when I was just starting out, which are like free or really cheap normally, mm-hmm. um, which was great. Um, I did some things up at Petrol College, they were doing some Stuff for like new businesses. I think if you keep on looking, like there's there's often little things going on to just give you a bit of a boost in those areas that you're lacking in. Um, Definitely,
0: and the library as well. Um, I'm sure that most libraries do it, but our library they don't just offer the workshops. They actually can you they can sit down with you and give you advice on certain yeah. things. It's the bi. is
1: yeah business something something yeah yeah
0: something something center
1: yeah (laughs) but they are wonderful (laughs) yeah and they're really knowledgeable you know it's people who really know what they're talking about and you're getting this information for nothing generally which is amazing Mm -hmm. um yeah so I think it doesn't have to cost you loads of money that's the thing like you can obviously do I'm sure you can do loads of courses that would cost you money but it's worth having a look around first and seeing what's available um to you I think
0: Definitely, and I think that one of the most useful things that I've had out of courses like that is the resources they give you, like an Excel spreadsheet to write down your year one costs. Yeah. And actually work out how much things are costing you so that you're not just plucking numbers out of thin air going, "Ah, oh, well, I think it costs me this much. And so yeah, sell my, bu- my bouquets for yeah. this other random number that I plucked out of thin air in the hope that that is going to make my business yeah. work.
1: Yeah, that was, I found that really helpful, actually, because I had I got a grant from... little local charity when I started out um I can't actually remember what they're called Bridge Trust the Biddeford Bridge Trust Mm -hmm. um and they made you do that on like a they gave you the spreadsheet and you had to you kind of obviously you were estimating I think I was very ambitious with my estimations (laughs) but it was good it's good and now I've got that template I still use it because it it is actually really helpful but things like that if you're not from a business background you wouldn't really know where to start necessarily Um, absolutely I think yeah costings and being aware of that kind of thing is really, really important from early on, even if you're making like a tiny profit, you know, or whatever, even if you're making a loss, but at least you know what you're, what's happening and, you know, maybe you've made a loss, but that's because you've invested in all this, you know, these bigger outlays to start with or whatever, but you've got to be aware of it. And I think it's quite easy to kind of go, I'm just not going to think about it, um, you know, but that's not going to help you in the long run. So yeah, it's got to be really aware of it all, I think
0: absolutely and so can you talk to me a bit about how you your business has kind of grown so where you started off with those bouquets at john's of and, and then where you've kind of grown to now with kind of potential extra services because i think that one of the things that has really fascinated me about flower farmers is the way that everyone's diversified in the last few years especially post-covid
1: yeah yeah so i just literally started off doing little bouquets and like local deliveries which isn't you know It wasn't really enough. I don't know if there's someone who that's their whole business. Maybe there is. Um, But you've only got so many hours in the day to deliver bouquets for a start. So um, I was kind of like I needed to find something that was going to give that bigger sort of income boost, Mm -hmm. which is where the weddings come in. And I don't I'm not like, you know, some people do, I don't know, hundreds of weddings. I think my my maximum so far has been about 15. Mm -hmm. So it's not crazy. Um, But it's it's that's my main income for the business. Um, And I really love doing them as well. First, I found them really stressful, but I think the more you do and the more practice you get and like going on the course has really helped me to have confidence in what I was doing. Um, Now I just really love them, especially the brides I get now as well, because I think I've got a few years of like images. So now people come and they go, oh, I don't really mind. I'm really relaxed. Just whatever flowers you've got that are pink and blue or whatever, you know, they might give me a a colour scheme, but it's, they're just really relaxed and they just want it to look like it's come out of the garden or it's like a festival theme so you know you haven't got brides who are like oh, I must have this exact flower because that's that's not going to work then you know mm-hmm. that's totally fine but they obviously need to go somewhere else <laughs> um so I think now I've kind of found my little niche and they they've found me it's it's a lot less stressful and I actually just really enjoy it now
0: mm-hmm. I think that's amazing and one of the again one of the big lessons that have come out of what I've experienced from the flower farmers is that in a lot of businesses they're working to cater to the client whereas with flower farming and floristry for weddings you actually want the client to meet your kind of criteria you don't want someone who wants something that you can't provide so you actually you need them to be aligned with what you're offering as opposed to you're going to try and chop and change to fit what they need because there will be another florist who meets their exact criteria and is yeah, happy to do what they want, but that might not necessarily be you. And it's I think it's quite a powerful position to be in, to be at the point where you go you start a consultation with someone and you go, actually, I don't think that we're the right fit to work together because I'm not going yeah. to be able to give you what you want. And ultimately, the stress of trying to create something that isn't what you traditionally offer yeah. is going to be so much higher
1: yeah definitely I, I mean I have had that ce- like that scenario where I've just gone do you know what I don't think I'm I'm the person for you but here's a recommendation for a really great florist who would be able to do what you want mm-hmm. um, because yeah like you say the stress of it is just it's not worth it <laughs> Absolutely. And, you, and also it's it's just so unpredictable you know I can't I can give obviously I can give people a rough guide because over the last four or five years I have had this at this time but mm-hmm. something could go horribly wrong. You know, I could get a rabbit in there that eats the whole lot and I'm not gonna have any. So yeah. as much as you can you can predict a bit, people do have to be a little bit flexible as well. And I think if they're just I try I try and ask people for like what kind of feel they want for it or what kind of because I think that's much better to think about it like that. Like, do you want, you know, is it do you want it to look really elegant or do you want it to look really like I don't know, fun or relaxed or informal or party, you know, whatever. And then you can get that you can give them the flowers they want but it's not like a specific thing which I think is really good
0: definitely and every bouquet looks completely different and unique in its own way even if you made 10 bouquets with the exact same flowers each one would be slightly different and slightly unique so I think it's just an amazing it's an amazing career isn't it
1: Mm. yeah I love it I love that creativity because sometimes people will look at my old photos and they'll say I really loved this one or that one but they don't get that exact one because Mm. that's not necessarily exactly what I've got so uh, you know I will take all the elements of what they've said that they like but it's still going to be unique to them which I just think is actually really nice that they're not going to have something that everyone else has seen on Pinterest and recreated yeah they are going to have something that's actually really unique for them there might be something that's just popped open that day and I'm like oh that's going to be perfect to go in the bouquet you know so yeah I love the, making the bridal bouquets is, is my absolute favorite I always go around with just a bucket for the bridal bouquet Normally, I pick everything, so I get all my buckets and obviously I just <laughs> pick all the sweet peas and all, or whatever into one bucket. But when mm-hmm. I'm doing the bridal bouquet, I like to have just a bucket for that. So I go around first and like pick all the like the best things and like the most beautiful things, the um, extra special yeah. bits. That are yeah, to- definitely. And then, yeah, I love putting that together.
0: Oh, you can really tell that you love it as well. Like you sound excited to be talking about it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm really. I'm looking forward because I've only. I've had one. I had one wedding back in March, like a really tiny one. But then they they start properly um, the weekend of the coronation is the first one. So mm-hmm. I'm, I think I'm like still in the mood of like getting really excited about them <laughs> <After> <laughs> The actual end. stress. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and so do you tend to work on your own on those weddings or do you have um, kind of like freelance florists who come in to help you put together the arrangements?
1: Um, generally, I do it by myself depending on the size. But um, if they're really big, I might get a couple, you know, someone in to, to just give me a hand. But generally I yeah unless it's a big marquee or something where you've got lots of decoration but I don't tend to do loads of those I think I've, I've only done a handful of the big big ones so generally I can do it by myself yeah.
0: mm-hmm. and then do you still sell DIY buckets for weddings as well so you might have like a bouquet and a few DIY buckets but yeah definitely. Do the really entire cool. wedding
1: yeah they're really popular and I love doing them because it's really simple um you know it's simple for me and it's fun for them people get to have you know enjoy doing the flowers so um, yeah, I think they're probably one of the most popular things I do actually
0: amazing. And so you talked briefly about the colors before. So you said it was kind of mainly pastels. But what colors do you find people people gravitate most towards, and what you gravitate most towards? because I feel like we have a very similar color palette,
1: <laughs> yeah. I definitely love the the like pastels, the peach, that kind of peachy color, like mm. like a hint of orange, hasn't it? But it's like peachy. I love anything like that. um yeah. I do I do quite like the like the, the burgundy ranunculus the really dark one but I yeah I always find them hard to put with other things mm-hmm. um, so I and I, I am warming to orange like I said about that <laughs> <Not> ranunculus <laughs> but things like I would never out of choice I probably wouldn't grow anything yellow apart from daffodils. I wouldn't grow anything <laughs> yellow I wouldn't grow anything red <laughs> um yeah but I I do put some in because people do sometimes ask for it I I mean, I think for the weddings, I'm kind of on the same page as most of the brides, like the pastels and all like whites and greens. They're kind of really popular, but there has been lots of pops of orange the last Mm -hmm. couple of years. So that's been quite fun to include. Um, And I think I occasionally get asked for something really bright and colourful, but it's actually not that common for the weddings.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely more niche to have bright and colourful.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's quite fun as well to do it. Mm Um, I always grow a load of sunflowers, so that's... I I know I've got a wedding at the end of the season that's going to have loads of sunflowers, so that'll be quite fun. Yeah, that'd be beautiful. Yeah.
0: And so talk us through a few of the... A few, as many as you like, of the varieties and the kind of different types of flowers that you're growing to make sure that you've got kind of a real mixture of kind of like focal, filler, foliage, Mm. etc.
1: Well, I always try and have some kind of like umbilifer, you know, like an amy like at the moment it's the orlea and then the Ami will start next I think and then I've got um some dill which will flower a bit later I think mm-hmm. which is more yellow actually but I do quite like it um so I always try and make sure I've got one of those flowering because I just think that's the best filler you can have it's just I love it I could have a whole but I could just have a vase of that on the table I just think yeah that's really um so yeah I always go with something like that I love grasses so I always try and have some kind of grass flowering so I've got a mixture of like annual and perennial grasses now, um the quaking grass, which I do love, but I literally sowed it five years ago. I've not done. I've never sowed it. Since <laughs> since <a piece laughs> it's been quite neat. It's like contained itself. Mm-hmm. It's spread out a bit, but it's stayed quite neat. So, I'm quite, I'm kind. Of, it's kind of all right at the moment. I'm going to have to like weed it out a bit at some point. But
0: yeah, um, that's a very invasive one, isn't it? It's one that just kind of it messy yeah. takes. Over. you
1: don't end up picking all of it, but you think you're going to, but you don't. Even if you only leave one. <laughs> You know, you're going to end up with hundreds, but I do really like it. It's so beautiful in a bouquet. Um, And then I've got, yeah, I've got a few different perennial grasses as well. And then I have quite a lot of roses. Um, I've got 50 rose bushes, which I use for weddings, obviously, um, which I do love. But again, they're just the pinks and whites, pastels. I've always got sweet peas because I kind of have to now. I've known myself sweet <laughs> peas Sort of like shot myself in the foot a little bit because I've got to try and make sure I've always got them. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I love sunflowers, even though they are. I don't tend to go for the bright, bright yellows. But um, yeah, I like some of the more paler ones that you can get.
0: And quick question on the sunflowers. Do you direct sow them into your polytunnel or do you sow them as, as and then grow them on as seedlings before you plant them out?
1: yeah I always grow them on first so I I sow them in like a module tray and then pop them up
0: Mm -hmm. I've just
1: planted some in my tunnel now which are about I don't know 10 centimeters or so Mm -hmm. um but I will plant some outside but I'll leave that a little bit till it's warmed up a bit because I don't think they'll be very happy at the moment Mm. um I've never tried direct sowing them actually but funnily enough I had where I had them last year I've noticed some seedlings have popped up where they've obviously like self-seeded so I might try and yeah transplant them but so Mm. perhaps it would work but
0: well I direct sowed into my polytunnel and when I went in last week I saw lots of holes in the ground and I was like maybe I didn't cover the seeds over and then I was like oh no there's lots of empty shells the mice have obviously eaten oh yeah that's the Uh
1: thing they love it and then the slugs love them when they're little as well don't they so that's why I mean that's kind of last year I didn't even grow any outside because the rabbits just love them mm. so I just grew them in my polytunnel last year but I am going to try some again outside because we've sort of maybe got on top of the rabbit I've put in some rabbit fencing so hopefully hopefully I'll be able to grow them outside this year
0: fingers crossed yeah. um, and then obviously you must have dahlias
1: oh yes I've got about dahlias that's what my job was today was weeding the daily bird well, <laughs> <done it yet. laughs> um yeah I think I've got about a hundred um if they've all come back because I left them in over the winter, I did have a dig around and the ones I sort of checked were still all right. So I'm hoping, and I noticed the other day a few little shoots actually on them.
0: That's exciting!
1: Exciting! I know before that I've always dug them up, but because I sort of increase, I had about thirty before, but then increasing the numbers, it's kind of like trying to store them all and then pop them all back up. So I just thought, oh, I'm going to give it a go. But then we had those really that really cold spell, didn't we? So now that I was really worried about them, but they seem to have survived. Um, so I feel like
0: in in the cold spell whether people dug them up or didn't dig them up so many people lost them this year anyway so I think anyone yeah that's who true managed to save them has been really either lucky or they were slightly more prepared than the rest of us were yeah
1: and I think it's not so much the cold you know if you've got a thick mulch on them they'll probably be mm. but it's the damp isn't it when it's just like really wet then they just kind of rot away but yeah <sighs> Yeah, I'm hoping they're still there. So I need to have like a proper check in case I need to order some more because I'm a bit late if I do. I do love them
0: though. (laughs) And so when you pot them up normally, um, can you talk us through the potting up process? Because so many people have asked me about this on Instagram, mainly because when I put my video of potting up dahlias, I barely used any compost because I had to do 100 in one go. And I was like, Mm. I'm using up my expensive compost on the dahlias. So I put minimal compost and then so many people were asking me about why I hadn't covered them fully and I was like I would have if I had have grown them at the allotment where I have like the luxury of like 10 dahlias and lots of soil but at the farm it was just like uh you have to make slightly different decisions so how do you do yours
1: yeah well that's kind of what I did actually I had some crates and I just similar to you just put like a bit in the bottom of the crate and I just used my old like leftover compost where I'd you know pricked on the seedlings and I just I normally just tip it all in a bucket um so I just did that one year I just did them in sand because I was oh, literally like you're just trying to not use up all my compost what else can yeah. I chuck in? Um, and that worked I think they kind of yeah they they want to grow so I don't think you have to worry about it actually too much I mean yours are all shooting aren't they
0: yeah well yeah. last time I was there 75 out of 100 and I reckon yeah. by this Wednesday we will probably be almost all of them
1: yeah so I don't think you necessarily need to have them in like an enormous pot because also the bigger they get I know you can you mm. know you might split them and stuff but sometimes you need an enormous pot don't you and it's a lot of compost. Yeah
0: absolutely.
1: <laughs> so kind of just, yeah I, and I think if you're going to plant them out quite quickly as well like obviously if you're going to pop them up in really early and they've got to sit there for a long time maybe you need more compost but you know if you're just going to pop them out relatively plant them out relatively soon I think you'll be fine.
0: Mm-hmm. and have you ever taken um foot cuttings or basal cuttings i know there's lots of different ways for that
1: no i haven't actually done that i have got the book um florette's got like a daily book my mom mm-hmm. got me for my birthday last year so it's all in there and i've been like meaning to do it but i have never quite got around to doing it but i did think i might try this year actually um i really want one of those i can't think what they're called um they're like a pot, like a propagator, but you could take cuttings in them. They're oh yeah, them. I can't think what they're called. It's like a little pod, isn't it? And you like put all the little yeah in. I know they're supposed to be really like really high success rate with those. Because, ah I, yeah, I haven't tried, but I would like to.
0: I'm going to try it this year because mm-hmm. the dahlias are so exposed in my pots because they've not got much compost in. You can really see all the shoots. So I'm like, maybe I'll just take like one shoot off each dahlia and pot yeah. it up. Just to kind of test it, because then I've still got the rest of the tuber and the plant anyway. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But also, what I really want to do this year um, is, and I might do it. I might just plant like three dahlias in the polytunnel to kind of like keep them separate. But I really want to breed my own dahlia. Having read that Discovering Dahlias book by Florette, and like, obviously, it takes a few years for her to get exactly what she wants and get it to be true to seed. But, um. I just think it sounds like such a fun little project to do.
1: And then Yeah, that's exactly what I thought when I saw it.
0: Just for your own benefit to be like, well, I've created this daily. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I
1: know. I thought that would be quite fun. Um, yeah. it be you'd go around with a little paintbrush.
0: Yeah. I just think it'll be it'll be one of those things that takes far too much time and energy
1: <laughs>
0: when you've got a whole farm to run. But in my head I'm like, that's gonna be it's gonna be the biggest, most exciting thing of this year. <laughs>
1: I think as well even if you just collect the seeds from any of, especially the outside ones if they've been cross-pollinated you know you can collect the seeds and you won't necessarily get the exact same mm. you'll get something new anyway so that's quite an easy way to just give it a go as well I think just yeah that's so of seeds and see what comes out
0: yeah um so talking about the farm again do you have any kind of like events planned for the year do you do many workshops or like pick your own days at all throughout the year
1: um, well I do the odd workshop but I tend to do them like elsewhere at the moment mm-hmm. so um, I've done a few with the Burton Art Gallery this year which has been really fun um, but my sort of big event is going to be the Flower Farmers' Big Weekend which is run by Flowers and Farm so that's September um, so yeah I'm going to have an open day for that. I may have another open day in June for British Flower Week but I'm not 100% decided on that yet. Um, but yeah I've done it the last few years and it's really good fun and people just love coming to see they just and they're, I'm always worried beforehand that they're gonna think it's a mess or you know there's not enough flowers to see or whatever but they always just come and they always love it and they're always really like enthusiastic and just want to ask loads of questions yeah um, my, my mum's scones probably help to be fair but <laughs> <laughs> they're really good but yeah I really I've really enjoyed it every time I've done it so I'm looking forward to that again
0: I think it's such a special experience, both for the host and for the people who come, because you get a bit of an insight into something that people like, like I said, not a lot of people know that much about flower farming. Like, I think we both discovered it kind of like a bit by accident and were like, oh, yeah, people grow flowers in the UK Mm -hmm. to go in bouquets. So, I think it is that it's quite an eye opening and exciting. And obviously, flowers are just beautiful. So, it's a it's an amazing space to walk around when everything's in full bloom yeah yeah quite special and from the host point of view I think it's great because you kind of get to almost see the the benefits of what you're doing through the eyes of other people because when you look at your space all you see is the weeds the jobs that you're doing the things that you haven't quite gotten around to whereas when they come they see this amazing space that you've worked so hard on and that just Looks beautiful, and so I think when you hear them kind of cheering you on and definitely giving you that those compliments, you can't help but
1: smile and be like, Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, Although, what it gives,
0: I can yeah. see his weeds. Other people do see the
1: kind of magic, yeah. definitely. It gives you a real boost, I think. People really appreciate the hard work you're putting in, and yeah, I mean, I just found everyone was so enthusiastic. I mean, obviously, they're some of them were already customers, but not all of them, um, you know, and I guess they're probably. Interested in gardening or whatever, or else I'm sure they wouldn't come. But yeah, they were just like the nicest, most enthusiastic bunch of people. <laughs> I, yeah, I really enjoyed it.
0: Um, and so I know for your site that access isn't isn't ideal. I think for a lot of farms, that access isn't ideal. But do you think yeah. if access was better, you would run more kind of events and workshops, or because they're quite high stress, do you prefer to keep them to just a few times a year?
1: Yeah, I don't. I always thought I didn't really like the idea of workshops, but having done them at the Burton this year, I've actually really, really enjoyed them. Mm-hmm. I've tried doing a few kind of talks and I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like, it's just not my natural thing to do. Like I don't like standing in front of people and that, you know, they're listening. It makes me so nervous, but the workshops are fine because everyone's chatting back at you. And I just really like that. Um, so I think I definitely would like to do more and I would have, I would love to have a pick your own site really, but like you say, the access is just really tricky. So I mean, there's you know maybe a dream of finding another little plot somewhere that I could do pickering, but whether yeah. that would happen <laughs> and whether I have the time and the energy <laughs> <laughs> is
0: pickering. A, a funny one though because I love the idea of it, but the stress of someone yeah. cutting a flower in the wrong place or like completely beheading a plant because they've tried to chop off the foliage with it yeah. fills me with dread, and I don't know how you mitigate the risks enough.
1: <laughs> I know you able
0: to like let people go into the field and pick your flowers like even when my mum and sister come to pick flowers sometimes I'm like oh, oh. a <laughs> bit on edge about like how how they're cutting and what yeah, they're I
1: yeah I think it'd be good if you had it like a designated area that's just for pick your own and you kind of yeah. don't have to think oh god I need those for weddings and you're chopping all that <laughs> <laughs> you know I think I would have to have it separate because I think like you I'm just too much of a control freak otherwise. like mm-hmm. I've had friends come to help me pick and I'm just like it's just too stressful God, yeah. I'm gonna let you do it anymore
0: <laughs> I'd rather spend the next 24 hours cutting on my own yeah just yeah because
1: and also because you have to explain like there's different things for each flower so mm-hmm. it's quite it's quite a lot to kind of explain to people um, and if people are helping out the goodness of their heart, you know, you have to be nice. <laughs> so, yeah, I just found it a bit stressful. I, was like, I think if you're paying someone, it'd be different because obviously you could be a bit more like, but when someone's just kindly offering, it's like,
0: oh, no. Um, yeah. yeah. It was... <laughs> and it, it, like you say, it's, they, there's so much knowledge and like we've spent, years learning that and there's still so much for us yet to learn and then you get someone who's there for an hour or a few hours and you're like right I need you to buy osmosis yeah absorb all of the information that I've learned over the last five years so that you know exactly what I'm thinking
1: yeah exactly it's really difficult because I've thought about I've had people offer to volunteer you know to come as volunteer before but I just I think <laughs> I would find it a bit stressful and I think it's a lot to ask of them I think people don't necessarily s- and know exactly what it's going to be when they you know they offer to volunteer and I think maybe they imagine something different to what it is I mean the last yeah. week you know I need to go for a massage now because my back is completely knackered because I've been like <laughs> weeding but it's not just weeding it's like you know digging out you know patches of grass and stuff um it's really physically quite hard work and yeah I think I would be happy to have someone to help me but I think I would I would feel like I would, would want to pay them I don't I mean, I know lots of people use volunteers and I think I'm sure both parties get a lot out of it, but I would just feel like I'm giving you too many horrible jobs to do. <laughs> <laughs> or you just feel like you had to give them all the nice jobs all the time because you don't want them to, you know, be safe.
0: Yeah, mud. Totally. I found this at the allotment, so because my the rest of my family are helping out with the allotment this year. Um, my poor mum, bless her. The other day she was... She was doing something and I was I was like, Oh, do you want me to do that? And she was like, No, I'm really enjoying it. And I was like, Yeah, well, it's my favorite job of the year, and you're taking it away from me. And she was like, You wanted me to help out. And I was like, Yeah, I do, but like, I don't want to miss out on the bits that I love because you're doing all the bits that I love. Yeah. I didn't mean it in like, oh, you're not allowed to do the fun bits because I want to do the fun bits. You're meant to be doing the rubbish bits, but I was like, We're gonna have to strike a balance here because like there's some bits that are the bits that we really love doing, and we're gonna
1: have to Yeah, in you just get left with all the hard things because you don't want to palm them. Off on anyone
0: else exactly yeah it's tricky <laughs> I find the hardest with having someone to help is I don't always necessarily know what that day is going to bring because sometimes you get yeah. there and you see like a broken shed roof or there's something that you noticed that were like that needs to be done now actually like there is no yeah, time to waste we need to just crack on and sometimes it's not the most enjoyable job god building the table in the polytunnel was horrendous yeah and I felt so bad for my mum she was such a trooper but it is that kind of like this is what has to be done and it is not going to be a fun job but we just
1: yeah like just urgent yeah definitely
0: yeah so it's a funny little life but I definitely think that the physicality of the job is much more than I'd ever thought it would be because I think people see the pictures of People in flower fields with like an armful of flowers in a yeah. of bouquet, and they're like, Oh, it's all like flouncing around in pretty dresses. Yeah. When it is not <laughs> at yeah, all. And
1: I think it changes all through the year as well. And what I've found is like, Oh, obviously, you have a quieter period over the winter. So maybe you're not doing as much. And then I've kind of gone back into it like full pelt, but my body's kind of like, Well, I've just been resting. So what are you doing to me now? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's kind of. Because it was so wet as well over the winter, there wasn't a huge amount I could really do like digging and stuff. So it kind of had to wait. So now we've had a few dry days and like out there, but it just I'm absolutely knackered. By the end of the week, I'm so tired. Um, but then come the summer, obviously it's different. You maybe aren't doing so much of that, but then you are hefting like heavy buckets full of water. And actually, that it's surprising how much those those buckets full of flowers. They're really, you know they're really heavy, and you're lifting yeah. in and out of things. It's kind of like yeah, you have to be really careful. I think definitely. Um, there's your back
0: <laughs> definitely and the the days in the summer are so much longer so yeah. although in the winter you might be doing I find the winter's a lot more physical but you're doing it for a shorter amount of time you probably physically couldn't do it for
1: a longer amount of no. time
0: then in the summer you're doing lighter jobs but for double the amount of time.
1: time yeah I mean you know in the summer you can be up at five because you've got to go and pick everything and then you know you're not coming in till well it's dark sometimes you know like depending on what you've got to do but and I love that as well. Like I love being outside while it's light, you know, it's like eight, nine o'clock and it's still light and it's really lovely. But like you say, yeah. you really do have to try and make time to switch off. I think, especially, I think when I started out, I just tried to do, also I was working part-time as well, but so I was like trying, so then my weekends were obviously all taken up on the farm and I, I didn't really leave much time to do anything else. And I, you know, I would like not see friends i would just not doing it because I was so, which I was kind of obsessed with it, I guess, because I just started I was really excited but I think you do have to kind of realise that you've got to slow down a little bit. Otherwise, you're going to either give up because you're just too knackered. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't keep, you can't sustain it at that pace for a really long time. Yeah, absolutely. Make, make some time to just, even if you have, you're always going to have loads to do. That's the thing, it doesn't, by taking a day off, you're still going to have loads to do, whether you take that day off or not. So you might as well take it. <laughs> That's what I feel like.
0: Definitely. And so do you still have like patches in your, well, I guess your garden? that it's still, like, a hobby? Because I think that it's so important to keep that, that you still have the kind of, like, fun, low-pressure growing spaces as well.
1: Yeah, so we have a garden, which is, like, separate from the field, which... And I just try and, like, have that as really low pressure. So the the flower borders are... I've just kind of packed full of as many perennials as I can, so it's not... It's kind of like twice a year I go through and weed it, you know, like spring and autumn. Mm -hmm. And then it pretty much does its own thing, so that's really nice. And then we've got some veg beds, so... I kind of like, so at the weekends, I will like potter around, but I'm just, I don't have a job list. I'm just like pottering and it's really nice. Like, oh, I might do that. And then I'm like, yeah. "Yeah." Um, Because otherwise you end up not enjoying any of it if you're just trying to, if you make it really stressful. Definitely. I always find, like, I just ordered loads of lily bulbs the other day. Um, Not for the field, but just for me. Because I think you've got to have things that are just for you and that are really, I don't actually grow lilies for cutting, but I've got this area that's like half sun, half shade. And I never really know what to do with it. And then I saw Garden as world. Well. And he said, lilies really like half sun, half shade, which I didn't know. So I was like, oh, brilliant. So I just, I was a bit of a like impulse purchase on Sunday morning. <laughs> I was watching covers. I <laughs> just spent loads of money on Lily Um, But I'm really excited because that's going to be like my little bit out in front of the house. It's just going to be hopefully full of lilies in the summer. Um, but you've got to have those little bits of like, just that are just pure enjoyment. I think it's not about making a profit or who's going to buy them. It's just for me to look at and me to really like.
0: 100% you've got to keep that love for it as well because even yeah. sometimes when you're out on the farm and you're doing the jobs that are what would have been your favorite jobs or like are your favorite jobs as a hobby gardener the added pressure and stress and volume of yeah. like you're not sowing like four seeds you're sowing like 400 seeds into yeah. tiny little cells and it does get monotonous like although you do none of the jobs are monotonous because there's so much to do but if you're spending a day sowing seeds or potting up yeah. tubers or planting bulbs or something in that day it does get monotonous and so I just think it's really important to have that kind of
1: definitely fun
0: release and to really have your own joy of gardening
1: rather yeah. than it just being providing joy for others through your flowers. and it's like experimenting a bit and just having a bit of fun with it and if it doesn't work it doesn't matter because you're not you know it's not going to go anywhere it's not for a wedding it's just for you so um yeah I think that's really important
0: and actually taking the time to sit in your garden and enjoy it i think is something that we all forget.
1: <laughs> Definitely. We got a hammock and honestly that's the best thing we ever did. It was like 12 pounds in littles or something. Amazing. Um, it was i like it's just you cannot not relax if you're in a hammock i've decided. So if i'm feeling like a bit stressed out you just go and lie in the hammock and you are instantly relaxed. It's brilliant.
0: I love that yeah. life hack.
1: Get a hammock. Yeah, get a hammock. Honestly, it's like because i sometimes find it hard to switch off. So yeah, i found that the hammock is the best thing.
0: I'm totally going to get a hammock at the farm. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, but you do have to be a bit careful because you sometimes don't get out of it enough. <laughs> so, yeah,
0: I I'd to... end up napping.
1: Yeah, I had to ration myself when we first got it. I was like, no, you've got to finish this before you're <laughs> in <that. laughs> Because otherwise I'd be in there and I'd be like, oh, an hour later I'm still in the hammock.
0: It's like a little treat at the end of a job.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
0: Um, so, we're coming to the end of the episode now, but I would love to hear um, one of my favorite questions is about how you plan your space. So, are you like an Excel sheet kind of gal or pen and paper? Not um, really a planner I'm, at all?
1: Well, I'm like a bit of both. I'm naturally not, well, I, I'm like, a, I'm quite a weird mix of a person because I'm naturally really disorganized, but being disorganized makes me really stressed. So, <laughs> I don't. I'm not happy being disorganized, but I'm not naturally organized. If that makes sense. So, like at school, I was renowned for just forgetting everything all the time. Like I'd get detention, but only because I'd forgotten to bring my homework in, not because I hadn't done it. But I just mm-hmm. forgot to bring it. Like it's that kind of thing. Like so, I have to have. I've always got loads of lists because otherwise, I literally achieve nothing. Yeah, I've got lists. I've got alarms that are going off on my phone. I've got <laughs> all stuff the time just to keep me like on track. Um, and then I I've got like a big plan that I've drawn out. Um, of the plot. So that's got on like where all the perennials are. Cause also, you forget like things die back, and I'm like, where should I plant that? Oh, I and mean, it's coming yeah. back up. oh Cause I went to plant something in a bed the other day, and then there's other stuff popping up. And I was like, oh, I planted that in there. I forgot. <laughs> um, yeah. So if you have a look at that, and that helped. But then I've also started doing a bit more spreadsheets there. So like the seed sowing spreadsheets I've got. um So I can mark off, make sure I've sown everything. um And then, especially for like successional sowing, cause I find it's really easy to to look at your greenhouse and think oh I've got so many seedlings but you know come July everything's finished flowering (laughs) and you're going to need more so that kind of thing um but I still am finding it hard to not sow loads you know when you get the loads in the seed tray then I'm potting them all on because but actually I don't always have the space for them
0: (laughs) I've discovered
1: (laughs) um so yeah still learning that a little bit trying to be a bit more controlled on how many seeds I'm sowing but
0: yeah, it's it's hard to sacrifice though, isn't it? Because mm. I, I keep finding that I've got a seed packet and I'm like, right, I know I want 30 of these plants, but there might be 45 seeds. And I'm like, well, I don't want to put 15 seeds back in the pot and then maybe some don't germinate. And blah, blah, blah. But then you end up over-sowing everything and you're like, what am yeah. I going to do with all these? Like, I know that there's loads of good homes for all of those extra seeds, but then from the money point of view, you're like...
1: You've wow. them on and the Every seed has yeah. a cost. <laughs> Definitely, you do have to be a bit like, and also, you know, the, the other day I um was potting something on. I think it was lavatera, and I'm like, well, actually, I don't need like 160 of them because, <laughs> you know, they're they're like a filler flower. They're not a focal. You know, you kind of got to think about like that, don't you? Like, how many of each thing do I actually need?
0: Yeah, and how much space is that going to take up? That yeah,
1: because is that, that better means- if I filled that with army? Yeah. That would be better. So. Um, yeah Yeah. it is
0: tricky yeah Um, and then final question before we part ways what is your garden nemesis would you say and this doesn't have to be flowers if there's like a vegetable that you've not been able to successfully grow but I love I love to know what people really struggle to grow because I struggle to grow so much
1: I think mine is probably larkspur like I literally Mm. have zero luck with it I sowed some in the autumn and I think I ended up with about five Mm -hmm. which when I planted out they got eaten by slugs so that's the end of them so then I sewed more this spring and I did a different method because I saw a thing on YouTube where you put them on like a bit of wet kitchen paper in like Mm a plastic Tupperware thing and loads of them germinated but then I kind of potted them up and then I think they either got eaten by slugs or they just died (laughs) I just have I just (laughs) I've almost just given up on them I'm tempted to try like direct sewing maybe because I haven't tried that yet I I don't know but they are my I think I had one I've had one good year of them. Oh really? Once. Yeah.
0: I grew them last year and I feel like they did grow quite well. Mm. When Get I've the got
1: team. them to like survive, they're great and I feel like they flower quite prolifically. They're really good to have, but it just getting them <laughs> to the survival point I seem to struggle
0: with. They're one of those that need the cold stratification, don't they? They have yeah. to be in like the fridge or the freezer or something. But the ones I had last year did sell seed everywhere. And yeah, I, I
1: think like, I have heard that if you've got them, you're fine because then
0: they'll keep on selling Yeah. For a fussy plant, like they seem to reproduce particularly well.
1: Yeah, so maybe they prefer direct sowing.
0: Yeah, maybe that's no. a good good point. Have you yeah. t- tried Delphiniums?
1: Um, not never from seed. I've always bought them as plugs, mm-hmm. and I haven't. I have trouble with them as well, really. But that's mostly I think my soil's quite my soil is quite wet because it's like clay. Mm-hmm. Um, so they always do quite well over the summer, but then they tend to die off in the winter. Which is oh, okay. So I've just planted another lot. Which I bought as plugs in the autumn and I put it up and I've lovingly planted out. But this is the, I've told them it's the last chance. Like, if they don't survive, I'm refusing to grow them. <laughs> so they, they know it, they're on last, like, last call.
0: Yeah, I was going to say I've never managed to successfully grow those, but I know that they're very similar.
1: Yeah, I've tried, like, putting grit, because the slugs love them, don't they, as well. So I've tried, like, giving them little, like, grit all around them. I've tried putting grit in the planting hole so it doesn't get too wet. And they're just, I think I had a couple in the polytunnel one year, which was a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, but even then I got like five flower stems, you know, it wasn't like, <laughs> yeah, I love them though, it's really disappointing.
0: They are beautiful and they make such good confetti.
1: Yeah, they do.
0: Um, but maybe this year will be your year, maybe this year you'll
1: yeah, be your do. nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> they,
0: hopefully they've, they've listened and they've had Yeah, a I told I gave them a stem
1: so hopefully. <laughs>
0: well thank you so much for your time today it's been wonderful to get to chat to you again and hear more about your current and future plans yeah it's good thank you thank you You made it to the end of the episode, which means you must have enjoyed it. And if you did, I'd be ever so grateful if you could head to your favourite podcasting app to give us a follow and leave us a little review, which helps to get these stories out to more amazing planty people. If you've got any questions or stories you'd like to share, find me over at Diary of the Lady Gardener on Instagram. And don't forget to head to Akai for some fabulous new outdoor wear using the code DOALG20 for 20% off your order. That's all from me this week. Happy growing.